LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hey, podcast friends. You know, on this podcast, we hope to equip our listeners with the best resources to help churches thrive. If you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue, let me encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions, total packages, so that you can launch strong, you can be reproducible right from the start, and you can thrive in your communities. For over 25 years, they have partnered with church planters and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, effective, portable church solutions so you and your team stay focused on the things that matter, building disciples. See what this looks like by visiting portablechurch.com slash lifeway. And now I hope you enjoy Ask Me Anything. Welcome everybody to Ask Me Anything. I am Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. And uh, some of you guys have given some feedback uh, to me personally that Mm. uh, I say yeah too much during the podcast. And so um, just wanted you guys to know that from here on out, uh, I will be wearing a shot collar. And every single time (laughs) I say the word yeah, I will get buzzed. So hopefully this works. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. We'll see what happens. (laughs) It's going to ruin my whole life. I'm never going to be able to say yeah in any conversation silently, Matt. Um, well, JD, this is a a question uh, that I think is, is good for us to talk about, um, today. So the question is how does cold call evangelism fit into (laughs) ministry in the church right now? It's something that I think has been something that the SPC has really done a lot of like knocking on doors, sharing the gospel people. And I know, I know I have a lot of stories that have heard a lot of stories of people coming to faith and amazing things happening. But what would you say about cold call evangelism? Is it effective? Should we do it? No, yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Well, first of all, let me say this is something very familiar to me because in the church that I grew up in, Wednesday afternoon soul winning was, it's kind of your first act of sanctification. And I'm not even really joking with that. I got saved on a Friday morning and I went on my first soul winning cold call that next Wednesday. Hi, my name is J.D. Greer. I'm from the Salem Baptist Church. I just want to ask you a question. If you die tonight, do you know 100% for sure where you would spend eternity? I don't know That's why amazing. we always thought people would die at night, but that was always the <laughs> the assumption if you died tonight. Well, you know, for various reasons, let me just kind of say the obvious here. Most churches have gone away from that as a staple strategy. Um, it, you know, just when you kind they kind of studied it, it just wasn't that effective at making long-term disciples. I saw one study that showed that it took 11,000 hours to produce one convert who would like stay. I don't mean oh, make wow. a decision, but actually stay and become and get a, involved in the church. Get involved in the church. And it's not that that one soul isn't worth 11,000 hours. It was just maybe there are other things that Christians could more, more profitably be doing with that time in more effective evangelistic ways. I mean, anecdotally, we all kind of know also that people just don't respond anymore to strangers. We don't respond to strangers, whether that's a stranger in your doorstep or a strange mail out in your mailbox. You just throw it away or a strange email. It puts you on the defensive a lot versus really right. making somebody open to hear what you have to say. Yeah, yeah. And, and we also know that kind of bad versions of cold call evangelism, they, they can potentially even harm somebody's view of the church. But here's the thing, and this is where I kind of struggle. Doing door-to-door evangelism, cold call evangelism, was how I learned to share the gospel. And it's that way for a lot of, of, of my friends. We learn to share the gospel boldly, concisely to do it in, in ways that would get 
you know, get people's attention and, and answer their questions. We learned that through doing this door-to-door evangelism. You wouldn't want to go do this just to practice evangelism, but it was a good practice. And so what's replaced that in the church now? So, yeah, it's interesting you say that. When I was in college and in college ministry, we did a lot of cold call evangelism at, like, strip malls and things like that. And I would say it was probably the biggest thing that got people comfortable yeah. sharing their faith. Right. Because it teaches them it's not that scary. And that you can do this. You can go share the gospel. And I think what you said quickly and succinctly, there's an easy way to say, hey, and it, and it works sometimes. Right. So how, how, do we, how do we leverage the good um, while understanding there are some yeah. things that make it less effective? Well, people who do cold call evangelism become more effective lifestyle evangelists. Yes. If lifestyle evangelism is the most effective, um, the people, cold call evangelism actually gets you in a place where you'll do it. And when you say college ministry, you're talking about right here at the Summit Church, and yes. our college students still do that. And we do that because it does, it is effective on one level, but it's mo- when, when these students come back, some of them having shared the gospel for the first time, they may have known it for years, but just to be able to, to kind of man, build that bridge and walk over it. It's easier to share with a friend when you shared with a stranger. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, okay, so, so how can we take, how can we make sure we don't lose what is so good from that? You know, one of the things that, that cold call evangelism depended on was having a, the right tool, you know, a track, an illustration, the bridge. The, you know, the three circles. I mean, th- these are different. A pretend, uh, $10 bill that you could leave on a table. <laughs> <laughs> One real tip, you know, <laughs> try Jesus. But um, yeah, you know, and so I think every Christian, we, we emphasize here at the Summit Church, every Christian should have kind of a go-to tool. We use the bridge a lot. Um, you know, the bridge illustration, it's uh, just, I think it probably goes back to Billy Graham or the Navigators. Again, we got friends that use the the, the three circles. There's they're great. We, you know, in cold call evangelism, we always had conversation starters. Like if you died tonight, there are other ways. You know, one of the ways, um, uh, you know, fire is one I always heard. Uh, fire stands for friends, interest, religion, and then evangelism. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so it, it kind of gave me a natural way in a conversation to to get to the gospel question. Verses that you need to have memorized. I'd start with Romans 6.23, build most of my points around that, and then I'd, I'd pull in some other verses. Um, illustrations that you can use, knowing how to ask the question at the end. That was what we got trained on in cold call evangelism. I mean, just step out of evangelism and go into the world of sales for a minute. You know, the, most sales are lost in that last, you know, just asking the question. And a lot of Christians, they, they know how to share the gospel, but they don't, how, they don't know how to say to somebody, hey, are you ready to follow Jesus? Or what is there that keeps you from following Jesus? Or how do I move you to a next step? Um, learning how to tell your story. That was always a big part of it. Can I tell my story in 90 seconds or less in ways that are compelling? Man, sometimes you hear a Christian like, well, tell me your story with Jesus. And then it starts with smash you know. cut to 45 minutes later yeah. and they're still talking about <laughs> exactly the parties right. they went to in college. Yeah, you're like, let's just get to the, <laughs> the Jesus part. So yeah, I mean, I feel like you need to find the right tools. If you're a pastor listening to this, I would encourage you to, to choose one for your church and really, you know, kind of get everybody sort of on the same page and, and, and let them hear you do it and use that tool so that they, you know, because they're going to end up imitating you when they're talking to their friends. Get good at it. Man, just get good at, at this. I, I look at my most of my evangelism counters with strangers, sitting next to somebody in an airplane or a conversation presents itself somewhere. I look at it like running a magnet over the sand because I'm trying to see where the Holy Spirit has put little metal, in the analogy, the metal represents his work, and I'm just running it over. Sometimes I don't get any response, but sometimes that magnet draws that metal out, and you're like, oh, God's been doing something. Evangelism is basically joining the Holy Spirit in things that he are doing, and so I'm running the magnet over the sand. You need to have an elevator speech of the gospel. Um, entrepreneurs, you know, they always say that one of the most 
critical things in, in selling your idea as an entrepreneur is having that kind of 90 seconds or less elevator speech about what your product is and why it's awesome. Um, Christians need to learn to, to talk about the gospel. For me, that elevator speech always includes my fear of death and my sense of dissatisfaction and always being jealous of everybody, feeling like I was missing out in, in life. And I show how Jesus was, you know, he was the answer to those two questions that a lot of people can, can identify with. So get good at, at kind of, you know, concise versions of it. Most importantly, I would say, Matt, you, you got to stay in tune with the spirit. I feel like this is one we don't talk about nearly as much as we should, but Jesus never commissioned us to go and build the kingdom for him. He, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He told his apostles not to do anything. After he'd given them the great commission, he said, just go and wait for the spirit. They waited for 10 days waiting on the Spirit of God because Jesus was like, you really can't do anything. You can't even share the gospel effectively until my Spirit comes and empowers you. And so we need to be, you know, Spirit of God, where do you want to be using me today? A prayer that you should pray every day, one that I try to pray every morning is, Lord, whose life are you going to put me in the midst of? And it turns on a spiritual radar, and sometimes it's the most random places, you know, standing next to somebody at a coffee shop or just somewhere that, or God put somebody in your heart or somebody at the gym I work out in, it's, it's suddenly a conversational will come up. Sometimes that um, spirit moment will be a wide open door. Other times it's not. Sometimes people hear like following the spirit means that, you know, somebody's weeping on the floor in front of you saying, what must I do to be saved? And yeah, that's a spirit moment. But sometimes it's just, it's just running that magnet over the sand and seeing what, what, what comes up. Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you, sometimes those conversations don't turn out well, and that doesn't mean it's not from God. I would say one out of every five gospel conversations that I try actually turns into a, a decent substantive conversation. Another one of the five will turn out like awkward. <laughs> like um, the, uh, the other three are sort of like, Man, this kind of fizzle out. This kind of fizzle out. Um, well, the ones I tell in church are always the one out of five that are awesome, and everybody's like, <laughs> "Oh, if this is what we should experience," and it's just, I'm like, "No, it's like what, the ones you don't hear about. The other four are the ones that that they." But that doesn't mean God's not using it. I've heard people, you know, talk about that years later. Stephen witnessed to Paul, and Paul was overseeing him being stoned. That didn't turn out well for Stephen, but God used it. You never know when God's going to use that that word. I've heard the uh, Matt that the average person has to hear the gospel 12 times before they're going to believe it and receive it. Sometimes I like to think, you know, when I, a conversation is fizzling out, I'm like, well, I wonder what number I just was. Maybe I was number seven and maybe five more faithful Christians will share it. And that 12th one gets the party. And I like to be that 12th person, but somebody's got to kind of lay those, you know, the foundations along the way. So if I'm listening to this conversation, I think my thought is I were advocating you should be ready to share your faith at any time and should even seek opportunities that God might be opening a door for you to share the gospel. So should I go door to door knocking on people's <laughs> doors sharing the gospel? Hey, you know what? If that's what you want to do, I'm honestly going to say more power to you. That's why we still send our college students out, basically to do a version of door to door. I think the most effective thing to do is you got to do something. 15 minutes. when I'm If I'm in a conversation with a stranger for more than 15 minutes, I know that we're going to, I'm like 15 minutes, I got to get to the gospel. I'm constantly asking questions that are like running a magnet over the sand. Like, how can I pray for you? And just see what comes to the surface. Um, I ask that to waitresses all the time. Hey, you know, getting ready to pray for our food here. Uh, how can I pray for you? And, and how can I pray for you is, I, it just is a very disarming question. People very rarely respond poorly to that. But I have a question. You're talking about that one out of five. How how do you not get discouraged when you kind of get more often than not yeah. uh, either awkward or just nothing? Yeah, great question. Um, good way to end, probably. The, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Matt, says this. He says, a true evangelist only believes two things. 
If you believe these two things, you'll become an evangelist. He says, number one, salvation belongs to God. And number two, faith only comes by hearing and hearing only by the word of God. He said, when you believe the first thing, salvation belongs to God, it takes the pressure off of you in all the right ways because you realize it's not on me to convince this person to overcome all their objections. I don't have to manufacture spiritual fruit in their heart. It's not, it doesn't belong to me. It, it, it's only God's word that'll bring this person to Christ. But the other side, faith only comes by hearing and healing, hearing only by the word of God. That puts pressure on me in all the right ways because I'm realizing Man, the gospel can't grow where it's never been sown. And it might be 12 times they have to hear it before they believe, but I've got to be faithful to put the word of God in so that it can do the work. And so, you know, I think holding those two beliefs in tension, salvation belongs to God and faith only comes by hearing and hearing only by the word of God. Um, those two things will create create an evangelist. That's really helpful. Well, JD and I have to run and go do some cold call evangelism around the <laughs> office, so we have some some people that we're questioning a little bit. So we're going to go knock on some doors. Yeah, some but, of our pastors are a little little, a little iffy. Yep. Um, well, we know that obviously this is your favorite Lifeway Leadership podcast, but there are others, and you should check them out, especially the Group Answers podcast with Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel. They cover topics like the Enneagram and small groups, which I would be interested in listening to. All time best Bible Enneagram studies. Enneagram expert. We're gonna have to have a question on that. We just need to have a, yeah, we'll do an Enneagram series. And then they uh, have Trevin Wax talking about discipleship trends. So just look up Group Answers on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. Thanks for listening. If you want anything else from JD, sermons, show notes, resources, articles, whatever you need. Or you want Matt to say yeah more. If you want to hear a, a, a smash up of all the yeahs I say, <laughs> uh, go to jdgur.com or you can follow JD on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.